Hey, thank you for tuning in to the Fountain Podcast. We pray that this message blesses you and helps you to see Jesus clearly, love him deeply, and follow him wholeheartedly. Let's dive in. We've been in a brand new series entitled Outflow. Now, the premise of this comes from Proverbs chapter 20, or 4, verse 23, that above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. So we talked about how sometimes the best way to guard your heart is not just on the defense, but the offense. I mean, guys, you know them 49ers are going to need that today, both defense and offense. Oh, shots fired. Let's go. Um, but, but can I just tell you that the best way to avoid sin is not to try to avoid sin. The best way to avoid sin is to pursue Jesus, is to be on the offense, not just the defense. But, but the reality is, is the outflow is determined by the inflow. What's inside is going to come out. Now, I have a confession to make, and I think some of you might be with me. Um, Jackie and I, we, we have this dream of owning a home one day. Some of you guys already own a home. You're already on your way. We just have this dream, but it's really expensive here. And so I always get this pull toward the valley. Anybody get that pull toward the valley because the prices look a little bit better? And you're like, oh, man, we did it once. We came back. I'm like, should we do it again? No, don't do it. But I, I always, get, I always get, the, I get the bug once in a while. Market's down by like 25%. And I'd love to look at model homes, even if I can't afford them. Just go in, be inspired, dream a little bit. Like, okay, God. And uh, so I, I did that recently. I just wanted to go and see. We're not moving to Tracy. We're, this is where our home is. We're planting. We're believing God for a miracle in this, in this region. But I do like to go and look. So we, we went, I went out there to take a little peek and I showed up to the, to the office. It's like, hey, man, I, I just want to check out some of your model homes. And so he could let me in the room or let me in the homes, did a little tour. He said, hey, do you want to see the actual homes that are available? I was like, sure. Let's go. So, so we go to, the, to a couple of the spots, and, uh, and he has about 20 keys on his ring. So we get to the door, and he's first key, second key, all 20. Can't, it's the wrong key. And so he's like, man, I'm so embarrassed. I'm so sorry. So he makes a phone call. He goes back to the office, comes back with another set of keys, tries, and they don't work. I'm like, listen, dude, it's not that serious. I'm not even going to buy a house. I'm just looking. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Uh, and he's like, no, 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 no. I, I, I want to show you. So he tries every single key. None of them work. And I thought, man, if I was the builder, especially in, in the market right now, there's a little bit of fear. People aren't sure. A little bit of uncertainty. I'd want to make sure that my realtors have the keys. Because if I can't get on the inside, that's going, that's going to affect the deal on the outside. I'm not going to buy a house that I can't see. And so, so he, he goes inside, or he, he asked me, he said, hey, listen, I'm so sorry. How about we go around the side yard and look in? I'm like, all right, let's do it. And so, so here we are. We go inside. It's muddy. He's in dress shoes. I'm like, bro, I'm not even going to buy a house, dude. And he's like, push, push, push. and so we look in and. It's like, cool, countertops, blank room. This is amazing. And it's interesting because I can't get on the inside. I can't smell. I can't taste. I can't touch. I can't dream. I can't envision. And so I, I, I gave him a high five, took off. I was on my way home, and I felt like the Lord dropped this in my heart, that God forbid this year that we are on the peripheral of what God is doing that we are simply looking into a window, watching what God is doing in everybody else's life, 
He's seeing his presence, his power, the stories of his glory and what he's doing while we're outside in the mud just watching. That's not God's plan for us this new year. I don't want us to be on the outside. I want us to be on the inside of what God is doing because inside of the will of God will change your outflow for the year. But I think a lot of times as we enter into a new year, we don't really ask the question, God, what are you, what are you looking for this year? We, we think about our goals and dreams and aspirations and changes we need to make. And all oh, stuff is good. You should do that. But what if we ask the question, God, what are you looking for? I think you would find... 2 Chronicles 16, that the eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those who, whose hearts are fully, everybody say fully, committed to him. What fool you have been for now on, you will be at war. This will make sense later in the sermon. But this is what God is looking for. And he says, whose hearts, this is the inner man, the inner person, the, the mind, the will, the seat of our being. And he says, I'm looking for a heart that's fully committed to me. If we can catch that, it will change our year. It lets us on the inside of what God is thinking and looking for. And it really kind of gives us a key as we pursue him in this, this new year. Because the reality is that God is also looking for a home. He's also looking for a place to dwell Jesus said in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 23, he said that if anyone who will obey, anyone who loves me and obeys my teaching, fun fact, obedience on the outside always flows from love on the inside. It's the difference between religion and relationship. Religion tries to love God from the outside first to earn his love. Relationship with God says, I'm so in love with you. It's a delight to obey you, not a chore. Big difference. But he said this, he says that if you, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching and, and what? My father will love them and I will come and we will come, we will come to them and make our home with them. He's looking for a home. He will come and make his home on the inside. And so, so what's the key that opens that door? Like, God, if you want a heart that's fully committed to you, what's a key? Because a lot of us try a lot of different keys, and some of them right now, if we're honest, they're not working. But what is the key? I want to give you one key today, and that's the key of seek. See, a heart that's fully committed to God is a heart that continues to seek him. But the, the, the key word is continue. You can have moments of seeking and then lose your way. But it's a heart that continues to seek him. Like, I love my wife. I'm constantly seeking and pursuing my wife. The moment I stop, trouble. But, but this is, this is what, what God is looking for. In fact, he said, here's the key. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Here it is again. I want all of you. And this word seek, it just means, you've heard me say this a thousand times, but I'm going to say it again. It just means a beaten path, a well-worn path, like the cattle trails you see on the side of 580, they just walk those trails over and over and over, and it kills all the grass. It's just a well-worn path. Jesus said, if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all these other things that we really pursue and seek after will be added to us. Everything about what we'll eat, drink, wear, all the things we get worried about. But there's some keys and some rhythms to seeking God. And we're going to look at the life of King Asa today just briefly. 
Now, King Asa, let me give you a picture. A thousand years before Jesus came, King David reigned on the throne. After King David, his son Solomon reigned on the throne. And then after Solomon, the kingdom divided. There was some conflict. The kingdom divided uh, north and south. The north, they called Israel. The south, they called Judah. Well, in Judah, the southern, or the, the north, the southern kingdom, the first king was Rehoboam. After Rehoboam, Abijah was king. After Abijah, Asa was the king over Judah. But not only did he inherit the kingdom, but he also inherited a kingdom full of idolatry and rebellion against God. Like he stepped into a messy place, messy seat. But he, he was one that said, I want to follow you wholeheartedly, God. In fact, um, we see a couple of rhythms in his life. And the first one, if you're taking notes, you can jot this down. There was a rhythm of repentance and conviction in his life. He said, I want to follow you wholeheartedly. And we see him do that. And this was the rhythm. It was a rhythm and a pattern of repentance and conviction. Repentance just means I was going this way and now I'm going this way. Better way to put it, I'm, I'm no longer looking at my view. I'm getting heaven's view on the matter. And I'm moving toward God. Because when we see how God sees, it changes how we see. It changes everything. It changes our actions. It changes the whole flow. So 2 Chronicles 14, Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord. And he just went through. He cut down, removed foreign altars that were placed to other gods. He smashed sacred stones, cut down Asherah poles. And what did he do? He commanded Judah, seek the Lord. Come on, let's seek God together, the God of their ancestors, and to obey his laws. And so he just went through and removed all of this idolatry. And then it says, he built up the fortified cities of Judah since the land was at peace, and no one was at war with him during those years, for the Lord gave him rest. What was happening was a renovation. See, it's interesting. When you first get saved, something should begin that never stops. And that is a renovation on our desires. Because when God started to change my life, nobody was telling me I had to change. He was transforming me from the inside out. It's kind of scary. I was like, am I being brainwashed? What's happening to my life? All of a sudden, the things that I used to desire, I didn't desire anymore. Things that I used to do, I just didn't want to do it. It wasn't a rule. It was a desire. I don't want that anymore. And there was a sensitivity to God's spirit. God was going in my life room by room, and he still does. Room by room. Matt, let's deal with that. Let's, man, that's not my best for you. And God continues to do that throughout the rest of our life. But I'm just going to tell you, listen, if you're not living right as a follower of Jesus and you're at peace, man, you need to pause. Because the Spirit of God will not give you peace or rest when you're in a, in a, in a place of rebellion toward God or worshiping other things other than him. But the Apostle Paul said, you can harden your heart. Like you can sear your heart like with an iron. You can resist the Lord, quench the Holy Spirit, and harden yourself. But God can reverse a hard heart. The important thing is you want to know, like, God, what, where am I? Let me give you an example. We want this sensitivity to the Spirit of God. When I first got saved, I met Pastor James. Pastor James has already been saved like a little bit longer than me. And... We just loved the Lord together, and it, it, was, it, was, it was awesome. But there was de one day we were going to, to, to Great America. Anybody love Great America? So we are going to Great America, but we were still, like, barely saved. And so, so we were going we to get in with fake IDs. Uh, we used somebody else's pass. 
Now, now previously, that was okay. We did that all the time. We got into clubs with fake IDs. We, that was just the norm. Are you with me on that? But here we are at the gates of great America, and as silly and as trivial as it sounds, the weight of God, of conviction, is on our life. We don't want to grieve the heart of God. We look at each other. We're like, should we do this? Should we not? I don't think this is not okay. And all of a sudden, this rhythm of repentance and conviction, as we left the park, we didn't go. We looked at each other. We're like, we're not doing this anymore. We're reno- God has renovated our hearts. We're getting rid of the idols. We'll wait till we can afford it. <laughs> and so, so what was happening? We were just getting heaven's view. There was a rhythm of repentance and conviction in our life that, that we welcome. The second thing that we see, there was a rhythm of dependence on God through prayer. So Asa ends up getting his first battle, battle against the Ethiopians. And when you're about to enter into a battle, what's inside is going to flow on the outside. And the Ethiopian army was so much bigger And this is what happened. It says that Asa called to the Lord as God and said, Lord, is there no one like you to help the powerless? Look how Asa saw himself, powerless, against the mighty. Help us, O Lord, right? Why, why, why help us? For we rely, everybody say rely, on you. In your name, we have come against this vast army. Lord, our, Lord, our, Lord, you are our God. Do do not let mere mortals prevail against you. I want you to hold that. Don't let man prevail over you or against you. You're God. When we first came here to Fountain, it felt like we were, were jumping off of a cliff. We were leaving the place of peace to a place of pressure. And, you know, we, we our other church, we were comfortable there. It was already established. And we started to use words like this, God, if you don't move, we are sunk. Like, it's not going to work unless you do something. We are powerless. We're relying upon you. Don't let mere mortals or the enemy have their way. But I had my wife with me. I had my kids. Can I tell you, when what you love is threatened, it will reveal what you trust in. And I was nervous. But there was a desperation. And can I just tell you, that desperation changed my prayer life. I, it was incredible. I think so many times we try to fight for power. We try to fight to be powerful because we feel like it's weak to be powerless. We try to fight to be powerful rather than acknowledging that, God, we are powerless and we need you. And as a result, we live with a lack of power. And, and so, so in this space, there was just this gravity of God I don't know what you are doing in our life. It looks, it looks insane on paper. It looks like I'm going to hurt my family. And, but I tell you what, I lived in a space that I had never experienced before. This dependence launched us into a brand new dimension of faith that I never wanted to leave. I was like, God, I'm terrified out of my mind, but I am, I've never felt better. Like everything on paper doesn't look like we're doing well but I've never felt more alive. Lord, I want to live with a dependence like this on you for the rest of my life. And I just felt like the Lord whisper, then always do something that's bigger than you. That requires me. See yourself the way you should see yourself. Know who I am and know who you are. And you never have to leave this place. And so I want you to get this picture. So he he goes on to say, the Lord struck down the Cushites and, 
Asa of Judah. So they, they, recover, they, they won. Even though they were completely outnumbered, the enemy or the Cushites fell. They could not recover. They were crushed before the Lord. And the large amounts of plunder that they carried off, it was bountiful. And so we see that Asa's heart is fully committed. Why? Because when disaster comes, he turns to God in prayer. He knows where to run, and God starts to move on his behalf. Isn't that amazing? I think it's in the time of the test that God is looking and wondering, whether it's stress, whether it's personal conflict, whether it's cultural pressure, God is asking, is your heart fully mine? God is seeing, is your heart fully devoted to me? And we see moments of seeking, but sometimes we stop. There's not a continuous. Like September 11th hit, our church was packed on 9-11. Not this church. We were at our old church. Two weeks later, all those people were gone. We're going to seek God for two weeks? Okay, I think we're going to be okay. Appreciate it, God. Thank you. Never came back. And we see this even with the pandemic, right? COVID strikes, 24-hour prayer sessions are going. People are on lives like, let me pray. Let's go. Where is that now? I I mean, think about it. Once the politics kind of settled down, economy, it's still debatable, but it feels somewhat stable. I know that's like a terrible thing to say. You might be like, it's terrible right now. I don't know. COVID starts to dissipate. You're not hearing about it as much. Then we just turn so quickly. We don't continue to seek. The last one is there's a rhythm of obedience to God's word. Seems pretty, you know, like should be something a pastor should say. Like this is a good rhythm to have, right? But it said the spirit of God came upon Azariah, son of Oded, and he went to meet Asa and he said to him, listen to me. He said, listen, he said, the Lord is with you when you with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. Ooh, right? But then he says, for a long time, Israel was without the true God, without a priest to teach and without the law. But in their distress, they turned. So, hey, if you ever lose your way, just turn. Just turn to the Lord and the God of Israel. And they sought him. And what happened? He was found by them. So again, it's this beautiful picture of, hey, stay the course. You're fighting a good fight. If you lose your way, make sure you turn back. Continue the seek. So it goes on to say, in those days, it was not safe to travel because of the, the inhabitants of the land were in great turmoil. One nation was being crushed by another, one city by another, because God was troubling them with every kind of distress. But as for you, be strong and do not give up, for your work will be rewarded. And so what the, 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 the writer is, is, is trying to help us see, what the Holy Spirit wants us to see today is this, is that when you're not seeking God, there will be confusion and turmoil. You'll just be living in war and battles and wrestle, and, and you're going to still do that with God. But at least you can walk through your wars and your battles with clarity, with assurance, with confidence. But this was a time where people weren't seeking God. And so he said, but you be, of strong, be strong, do not give up for your work, will be rewarded. Well, what work? Sometimes when we hear that work, we're like, ah. It wasn't the work of simply something he was doing. It was the work to continue seeking. Don't stop. Because if we see the battles, God was doing the work. I mean, they were stepping onto the field, but it was the posture of their heart. Don't stop that work of continuing to seek God. Are you with me on this? 
So when Asa heard the words of the prophecy of Azariah, what did he do? He took courage. That's kind of tough. So you, you hear that word, you're like, man, it, it seemed a little, little, little rough, kind of came in a little hot on the, on the word from God, right? If, if I seek him, we're good. If not, I'm not good. But, but it says that he took courage. He removed the idols from the whole land, repaired the altar of the Lord. And then it, it got even more deep. He, he removed his grandmother from her position because she was an idol worshiper. She made an Asher pole. So you know when you're like sitting granny down, God is doing something. Like you got the boldness to go to your grandma and be like, sorry, I hate to do this, but you're not going to lead anymore. Because you're worshiping idols and you're, you're a little astropole, I'm cutting it down. And he brought it to the, and he brought into the temple of God silver and gold and the various items he and his father had dedicated. So he was tearing stuff down. And here's the thing. He was not afraid to deal with generational issues. There were generational things that had been established. And he's like, it stops here. I know this is what it was like growing up, but it stops here. I know this is what I grew up with, and this is what we've seen, and this has been culturally acceptable, but no, no, no. It, 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 it stops here. And for 35 years, he had peace. He made a covenant with God. It was a covenant of seeking him, acknowledging him, pursuing him with the heart that was fully devoted. And then we read, and it says he lived happily ever after and killed it all the way to the end of his life. But that's not what happened. See, when you look throughout history, you look at all the great empires, the Persians, the Trojans, the Egyptians, the Greeks, the Romans, and in later years, the British, you see that all of their empires peaked at about 240 years, which the United States is kind of in that same peak. 240 years was like their, their, their zenith. And then after that, they kind of, until there were no more. Even though may, many of them faced outside battles, it was an inward erosion that really began to weaken the kingdoms. And now some of them exist to this day, but there's no influence like there was. It's, it's, just, it's totally different. And so, so I, I want you to get this picture. A lot of times we, we start off with, with a, a, a posture or a movement. And that movement, we're going, God is like doing, we're seeking him. And then it can become... I want to say ministry for a lack of better terms. Like, man, now we're kind of in this ministry mode where we're, we're building, we're structuring some things around what God is doing. And then if you're not careful to adjust back to a movement, you'll hit that curve. Just like businesses do, just like corporations do, just like, you know, our personal leadership can, you'll hit that curve. And what happens? You start to, you start to turn into now a museum and then you turn into a mausoleum and now you're just ruins. And so you, you have to make that adjustment. But it's really important. It's really important that as we look on our journey. So King Asa, he was at a moment, 35 years of peace and prosperity. How many of you guys know that it's not just difficult to follow God in difficult times, but it's also hard to follow him in prosperous times? Where there's peace and there's ease, there's comfort. And so, so rather than adjusting up, he kind of starts this little decline. I like what Sheikh Rashid, the founder of Dubai, said. He was asked about the future of his country. He replied, my grandfather rode a camel. My father rode a camel. I ride a Mercedes. My son rides a Land Rover. My grandson's going to ride a Land Rover, but my great-grandson will have to ride a camel again. Why? And his reply was this, hard times create strong men. Strong men create easy times. Easy times create weak men. Weak men create difficult times. 
Many will not understand it, but you have to raise warriors, not parasites. So you just see, I mean, Dubai is in a place of prosperity. It's not a ton of conflict. It's it's busting. It's bubbling. It's prospering. But he's not ignorant. He's like, yeah, there's a downside if we're not careful. We just start to consume and we, we lose sight of what and why we built. And so I think you hear the leadership talk. This is what got you, got you here won't get you there. And I think when it comes to business and leadership, I think that's absolutely true. You have to habit stack. You have to skill stack. You have to expand your capacity. You have to grow as a leader. You have to grow as an organization, all that stuff. But can I just tell you where that doesn't work is with God. Because so many times God got us here and then we forget about him and we go on to try to get there and we never arrive because we forgot about him. Are you with me on that? And so, so how do we guard our hearts against the difficulty of peace and prosperity or even following God in difficult times where we start to feel like our wholeheartedness isn't so whole anymore? Because that's what happened to King Asa. He forgot God. He became hard-hearted. He forgot all that God had done. He became proud, entitled, relied on himself. And King Asa then moved from a full heart to a full heart. And so, so how do we guard against this? Like, what are the signs we're looking for this year or maybe even in your life right now? We're going to go quickly. Ready? First one is this. When we take what belongs to God and entrust it to man. Like, what belongs to him? Our our devotion, our reliance, our dependence, our time, our energy, our resources, our honor, everything we have. He is the Lord of our life. And the covenant that Asa made with God, you would think like, man, God, you have done some amazing things. See, in biblical times, people would enter into covenant out of weakness or need. If I had great military strength, but no money, I would go into covenant with somebody who had money. In turn, I would share my strength. They would share their provision. And so when you break the covenant, what you're really saying is, I don't need you anymore. I don't want you, and I don't need you anymore. It, it, it's, it's this big. It would be like me looking outside of my wife, outside of my marriage, to find something that my marriage should only provide. And so, so what, what am I saying? I'm saying Romans chapter 1 paints it a better, more clear picture. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, right? They just became no more gratitude, just. But in their thinking, they became futile. Their foolish hearts were dark. And although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal human. Instead of worshiping the creator, they worship the created. Charles Spurgeon says it like this. This moment of exchange is unbelief. And unbelief in and of itself is idolatry. He he says this, when you start to look at the creature, which is folly, and to look at the creature is to worship the creature. He says, and you begin to put in God's place and so grieve God and set up a rival in the holy place. It's like inviting the enemy to the table. And so you would expect Asa at this moment in his life to be in a different place. Well, another war hits. The king of Israel raising his head again. And so you would think that Asa would go out crying out to God in prayer, but that's not what he does. Instead, he didn't deposit gold and plunder into the house of God. He withdrew. The treasuries of the house of the Lord, the royal palace, and what did he do? He gave it to Benadad, king of Aram. 
who was ruling in the mask, he said, let there be a treaty between us. You guys ready for this? He said, between me and you, between my father and your father. Huh. Like at one point, he's going back, breaking generational stuff. Now he's embracing it again. He's like, come on, man, our dads rode together. We should ride together. We should partner up again against Israel. I know you're going to have to violate your covenant and treaty with them, but that's okay because it's me and you now. So now he's working with deception. He's, something is wrong. He's robbing God. But in the moment, none of us feel like we rob God in the moment. But what's happening is this. It seems like wisdom. Some scholars believe that he, they thought Asa may not have felt like Israel was a bigger threat, as big of a threat as the Ethiopians. It seemed like a good political move, but it was deceptive. And instead of destroying generational bondage, he's resurrecting it again. And can I just tell you, listen, it's at this moment we see that he's no longer seen with heaven's view on the matter. Repentance, conviction, dependence, obedience, it's, it's gone. He's basically saying, God, I don't need you. Like, I got, I got, like we're going to do this ourselves. It's like when Apple went to Steve Jobs and said, I know you built this thing and designed everything, but we don't need you anymore. That didn't last long. It would be like, like me, Pastor James, and Chris going up to Steph, uh, Steph Curry, Draymond Green, and Clay Thompson saying, hey, guys, we got it from here. Yeah, exactly. We step on the court. You may not feel anything for a couple of minutes, but the score is going to quickly reveal that was a mistake. There's a design, and we're not part of that. Because what you, listen, when I say that, instantly you laugh because you recognize the limitation. And anytime you worship the created over the creator, instantly you get limits. You're limited. What have you given to man that really only belongs to God? Ask the Holy Spirit that today. Second thing is this. We find ourselves having a full heart when we're more concerned with winning than worship. You know that you can win but not really be winning? Like you say that in an argument, right? You can be right, but it doesn't mean you're going to win. You can be right and still lose. But as long as, the, as long as the consequences are good and not immediate, like we don't feel consequences immediately, we can sometimes think that God is pleased and we're winning. There was a pastor friend of mine said he was talking to another pastor who had a very like large church, very influential church, and uh, they sat down for lunch one day, and he asked him, he said, hey, uh, man, how's your soul? And my, my, my friend replied, man, I'm doing so good. Like, God is moving. And he said, watch your soul. He said, I haven't got mine back since I planted this church. And then later he fell and had a moral failure and everything blew up. But on the outside, you'd be like, dude, you're winning. But he stopped worshiping. Winning. And all of us are subject to this. That's a big example, but we can do this in little incremental things all throughout our day. Because we just feel like if we're winning, God must be pleased. It's God's providence. God is providing. God is protecting. Spiritual care is happening. But for Asa, that's what happened. He was winning. It says when the king of Israel heard this, he stopped building and abandoned his work. We, we did it without God. Yes, told you, so wise, so wise, so special. It's amazing how we can be winning in a relationship, but that relationship's not glorifying to God, but we feel like we're winning. 
we're not worshiping, when we're compromising in our business and our dealings and, and, and there's just, there's, there's compromise in our life. You may be winning, maybe you, you made it, but, but in reality, you're losing because somewhere winning became more important than worshiping and now you're living compromising. And so I, I want you to lean into this because the devil has providence too. The devil loves to provide things. When Jonah wanted to rebel and run from God, he went to Tarshish to get away from God. And what do you know? A ship is ready to go. Praise God. Running away from you? But there's provision. How about when the religious leaders wanted to destroy Jesus? And what do you know? Judas. Provision. When you're winning and you cease to worship, you're losing. When your winning overrides your worship, you've lost sight. The question is this, is where right now are you more concerned with winning than worship? Third thing is this, you settle for man's best rather than God's best. This is a big one. We all have experienced this. We've all experienced all these things, to be honest with you. Like none of us are like, yeah, check, 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 I'm amazing. But this is like the quick fix, compromise. Start partnering with the world again, getting a little in the flesh, not so sensitive to the spirit. Just like, yeah, it's not a big deal. Yeah, no, it's, it's, all, no, it's all right. And it's just interesting that God has a design for things. God has a, a design for things, and outside of God's design, the enemy promises that we'll win, but we don't. God has a design for relationships. God has a design for everything. Are you guys with me on that? And when we step out of God's design, it's normally because we question that God is good. It's what happened in the garden, right? The serpent comes to Eve and is like, hey, girl, you could be just like God. And what happens? She takes him up on his offer, and she bites from fruit that will have lasting consequences. God has a design for relationships. God has a design for the way that you are to live as a single individual. God has a design for marriage. Some of our marriages, it's like we're existing and we're moving mechanically, but because we're outside of God's design, there's turmoil and there's craziness. Just like there's just no rest, there's just war. Because like, I have a design for this. I have a design for this. When we get outside of, of who God has called us to be, when we start settling, and letting man define who we are. Can I even just go to say, even with our sexuality, God has a design for that, our identity. But when, when man tries to say, no, 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 I know this is God's design, but that, that's big trouble. And so what ends up happening is what? We bite from a fruit that has a lasting consequence. And, it's, it, and we don't win. We settle, we settle for man's best. And we might win in the moment, but we don't win altogether. So the prophet Hanai, they call him a seer, it's another name for prophet, came to King Asa and said, because you relied on the king of Aram and not on the Lord your God, the army of the king of Aram has escaped from your hand. What he was saying is, I would have gave you Israel and the other king if you would have trusted me. But now he's escaped. He's gonna make war with you. It's like, oh no, I thought I was winning but I'm losing. We're not the Cushites, the Libyans, so the Ethiopian army, weren't they like so much bigger? And when you relied on them, he delivered you, them into your hand. For the eyes of the Lord ranges to and fro the earth. Here it is, to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Here's, here's, 
Here's the text in the beginning. But you have done a foolish thing, and from now on you will be at war. And so, so when the, the king escaped, essentially, let me just say this. When you rely on man, it's like chasing the wind. What you really want escapes you. It's like trying to hold water. But he said, when you relied on God, there was deliverance. There was freedom. There was prosperity. There, there was confidence. There was courage. What you rely on will determine your results. There was victory. There was freedom. There was deliverance. Like, what did you do? Can I just tell you, one moment of unbelief can change your life forever. I remember I went to Lake Berryessa. True story. Most of my friends, when I was 18 years old, most of my friends, they all have darker skin. So they get in the sun, they tan, they get more brown. So in my mind, I'm like, so will I. So I go on a jet ski all day in a tank top with no sunblock. I didn't believe. And now as a result of that, I, I, I suffered third degree burns that day, had to go to the hospital. My wife, she tans. I don't have that gift. I burn and it's brutal and it's violent. But that one moment of unbelief has, has marked me forever. Like, like now I have to be careful because, you know, you get burnt like that. It's like you got to watch out for like cancer and like little like you know, spots that come up on your skin. And I mean, it, it, was, it was no joke. A lifetime, the prophet said, you're going to be in a lifetime of war. Wow, a moment of unbelief where you put your trust in man other than God led to a life of consequences. It doesn't mean that God was absent or not pursuing him. It's just still, there, there's going to be consequences. You remember King David Love the Lord, man, shepherd boy, got a sling. I'm depending on you. I don't come with spear or javelin. I come in the name of the armies of the living God. Boom, God delivered you into my hand. Powerless, reliant, trust in God. And then what happens? He gets a little prosperity. King and, you know, being a king for a while, he should have been at war, but he's on his little terrace and he sees Bathsheba down there and he finds out who she is. He should have immediately said no, but he's like, bring her to me. That's not God's design, bro. David was forgiven, but the Lord said, the sword will never depart from your house. Every generation will suffer as a result of your decision. That's weighty. I was studying this this week. I'm like, oh, Lord, this is exposing. This is weighty. One moment of unbelief led the Israelites to wander for an entire generation in the desert. Oh, my goodness. This is serious stuff. Don't be mad at me. The fourth one is this, that God's truth becomes condemning rather than comforting. This is a sign of a full heart. No longer are you finding courage and comfort in the truth. Now it's condemnation. It's no longer conviction. It's condemnation. God, you're against me. God, you want to hurt me. You're not for me. The difference between conviction and condemnation, conviction will draw you to the Lord. Condemnation will drive you away from him. Condemnation is from the enemy. Conviction is from the Lord. And so, so when the word of the Lord came the first time, he was like, man, he got courage. He made whatever adjustments needed. He tore down more idols. He went in and sat grandma down. He did all this stuff. But now instead of a rhythm of conviction and repentance, now it's condemning and he's running. You know the feeling when somebody's not living right and they're, and where you're not living right and somebody is living right around you? Is that not mo the most annoying moment? They're not even saying anything. 
It's just their presence brings you disgust. Like, oh, so you think you're holy? Think you're better than me? They're like, I didn't even say anything. Showed up, I actually brought you some groceries. I'm just trying to, I said, hi. What do you think, are you judging me? And we start to reject the word of the Lord, the prophetic warnings, God's people, carnal or worldly. No longer do we have heaven's view. Now we're too smart for truth. I don't need God. I'm going to continue to seek man. Well, that's ridiculous. The reality is, is we feel like that many times because it's, it, we're exposed. It's so frustrating when somebody's trying to help you. And it's just, you're just like, I'm just not picking up what you're putting down. I don't want that. Get no, but you know in your heart that it's true. And so then, then what ends up happening is this. He become angry. He became angry with Hanai, the prophet. Because of this, he was enraged. He put him in prison. Oh, you want to talk to me like that? Prison, baby. I was just giving you the word of the Lord. Well, now keep that word locked up. Don't counsel me. I'm not trying to hear that. At the same time, Asa then Asa brutally oppressed some of the people. It's like, bro, you... You were fighting for the people, now you're oppressing people? Because can I just tell you, when you reject God's word, no longer want to embrace truth, you will be angry, enraged, and oppressed. It may manifest in different ways. And you'll hurt other people around you. The religious leaders did not want to hear as Stephen was preaching them the truth. So what did they do? They stoned him. They covered their ears. They're like, blah, 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 blah. And you just know, and you start taking it, on, uh, taking it out on other people. When Jackie and I fight, have you guys ever fought with your spouse? And then you take it out on your kids? It's like, we're fighting, and it's like, go clean your room. What is this here for? What is this going on? No respect in this house. And you're just living from a different place. Can I just ask you the, the, the simple question? Of, of where is the truth of what God's word condemning when it should really be comforting? Don't reject the word of the Lord. And then lastly is this, eventually you just lose heart. You just lose heart. This is what happened. It said this, it said, 30, 30, 35 years of killing the game, six years, quick decline. Hit the curve, crashed hard. It says in the night, 39th year of his reign, Asa was afflicted with a disease in his feet. Look how stubborn this guy is now. Though the disease was severe, even in his illness, he did not seek help from the Lord, but only from the physicians. The reason why it's blank here, because I messed up my slides earlier, so just go read 2 Chronicles 16. You'll find it. But can I just tell you, something was affecting his walk. What is affecting your walk? That you're looking to the world to answer, but it belongs to God. You're trying to win without worship. You're rejecting God's word when you should be embracing it. This is huge. What if God would have healed him? We never know because he didn't even ask. What if God just would have strengthened him and resurrected him even though he was physically dismantled or, or couldn't function? His heart was full and ready to take the next hill. lost heart I don't know if it was hard I don't know if it was depressed I don't know if it was like oh, it's just, what's the point 
The night that, or the day that Jesus was hanging on the cross, two people were hanging next to him, two criminals. One of them looked at Jesus and said, hey, aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us, please. I'm trying to win. The other dude was like, dude, don't you fear God? <laughs> like, imagine, these guys are hanging, bleeding on a cross, having this conversation. It's like, don't you fear God? We deserve what we got. He, he didn't. And, and this is what he said. He said, Lord, would you remember me when you come into your kingdom? And I love this. Jesus answered him, truly, I tell you, today you'll be with me in paradise. So many times we just focus on the paradise. We miss it today. Today you will be with me. So, so, so can I tell you, if you've, law, if you've not living a rhythm of repentance and dependence and prayer and obedience to God's word and you're seeking occasionally but not continually, the key this year is going to be your seek. That's going to change because it's going to impact the inside. It's going to impact the outflow. It's going to change the game. But can I just tell you, the beautiful thing about God is even if your heart is at the hardest, today you can be with him. Like it can change this moment. King David messed up with Bathsheba, but he repented. God restored him. There were still consequences, but relationship restored. I'm still your son. Peter denied Jesus, repented. Relationship, solid. Judas, he didn't do that. He just left under the guilt and the condemnation. He hung himself. Just could, couldn't repent. King Asa, no, 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 just give me the physician. When you said, how will you let a mere mortal overtake you, God? Now all he seeks is mortals. That's not God's plan for you this year. Will you stand to your feet? That's not God's plan for you this year. So if you're here today, can I just tell you, Jesus said, today you can be with me. Today the game can change. So if you're here today and you need to change your seek, I need to say, man, I'm, no, I'm kind of like on the F-O-L-L heart a little bit. Today you can be with him. Game can change today. But maybe you're like, no, I'm kind of, I'm kind of wholehearted. Guard your heart. Watch for these signs. Thank you again for tuning in to the Fountain Podcast, where our heart is to lead people to see Jesus clearly, love him deeply, and follow him wholeheartedly. You can also find more content by following us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and by downloading our app.